Hey everybody, I'm Eric Lockley. Welcome to The 180 with Eric Lockley. There are moments in life that define us, that set us on one path or plunge us down another path. Join me as we dive into our guests' turning points and let's laugh, let's heal and be inspired together as we pull back the curtain on how our guest made The 180. Sometimes life gets hard when you're on your journey. Don't stop, keep going, you can turn it around. The 180, yes, it's a big change. The 180, your life won't be the same. The 180, you can do it. Say yes to your beautiful future. The 180, yeah. Sing it. That's what I got to say to it. The theme song's always a good time. <laughs> Sing it. Tag on it. Hey. 180. Say yes to your beautiful future. I'm here for it. Yes, thank you, thank you. Y'all hear my guest. I'm so excited, so thrilled to welcome actor, singer, and lots more, Brian Terrell Clark. Yes. My God. <laughs> This brother is in season two of Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer is out now on TNT and on Hulu, and you can catch Brian next week on Monday, February 1st. So make sure you check that out. Season two of Snowpiercer includes Brian Terrell Clark. Hey, hey, hey. I've got a lot to say about Sir Brian Terrell Clark, but uh, he doesn't know that I know this. Oh. But at a speaking engagement at the beginning of 2020, he presented a challenge to anyone who introduced him. Oh, I did. I did. You certainly did, right? And, uh... <laughs> I think I'm going to take him up on the challenge. Which, which challenge, Brian, do you think I'm going to do? All right, so this is the challenge. Uh -huh. so, you, so anyone who introduces me, they have challenge one or they have challenge two. Mm -hmm. Challenge one is to rap Oof. part of my introduction. Uh -huh. Challenge two is to say part of my introduction backwards, a la Missy Elliott. It's your premier scrant yet. Come on. <laughs> so let's see what you got. Okay, let's. Which one you choose? Let's see what we got. That's right. I'm gonna tell you about Brian Terrell Clark. I'm gonna tell you about Brian Terrell Clark. Hey yo, he be all up on your TV, acting raps on Broadway. I'm gonna tell you about Brian Terrell Clark. Got a career that's ultra solid. Probably shouldn't brag, but he went to two colleges. Temple plus Yale School of Drama. Yeah, drama kid. Made it a life, but don't define him. He's credited. Oh, oh, oh. And Motown was Marvin. GW and Hamilton. Now on Disney Plus. Netflix when they see us. Can't forget Queen Sugar and Cherish the Day. Own Network got you. Your besties with Mr. Vernay? <laughs> <laughs> That's as far as I got. You killed that. First of all, first of all, you're supposed to rap a line. You rapped a whole verse. Like, <laughs> it's like Nicki Minaj... Meg and then Eric jumped in. <laughs> you got like a feature, like a whole situation. I love it. I, I appreciate that. The line I'm most proud of is can't forget Queen Sugar and Cherish the Day. Own Network got you. Your besties with Mr. Vernay. That, listen, Mr. I don't know how you did any of that. I write things <laughs> that people write for me. So <laughs> I don't know how you did it, but listen, you killed it. I'm going to toot my, my own horn real fast. <laughs> But that's a little bit about Brian Terrell Clark. You might have heard in there he went to Temple and Yale School of Drama. Many people know he was George Washington and Hamilton. Not the OG cast, but you were the first replacement, which is incredible. Yeah, yeah. I came in right after OG. So big ups to Chris Jackson, 
who, uh, you know, put his foot in that role and had yes. very, very big shoes to fill. And I was um, was honored to, to take my stab at it. Sorry, Chris Jackson. Oh, you've been replaced. Brian Terrell Clark has come and decided to be George Washington. <laughs> <laughs> Your George Washington was incredible and people loved it. And like, I loved it. And Marvin Gaye and Motown, which I did get to see. I loved Motown. Thanks, man. And you might have heard in there, When They See Us, Queen Sugar. And you're working, upcoming, on a new um, Shonda Rhimes project, Inventing Anna, right? Yeah, I had the pleasure of showing up on set and um, kissing down uh, Miss Laverne Cox. (laughs) So that was an amazing experience. Shout out to Nzinga, who's an amazing director, and to our sister who just won that Emmy, who is playing Anna herself. So it's it's, it's going to be oh, really, wow. really exciting. Netflix is, has got some really cool stuff coming up. I was honored to be a part of it. You know, Shonda, if you're listening, I'm trying to get up in Shondaland. You know what I'm saying? That's all I'm saying. Yes. A Shondaland regular all the time. Okay, Shondo. Every week. Every week. You also have a clothing line and initiative called Indefined, which I've watched grow. Tell us a little bit about that. We're excited. Um, I started um, in Define with a brother of mine named Robert Rader. And we started it because we were just tired of labels. It was a time where circa 2016, 2017, we just saw the country, the world really being divided. And under Obama's administration, there was such encouragement for hope and for change. And so We wanted to take our stab at that. And I literally just wanted to erase some of these labels, these conforming labels. And so we literally took to a clothing label called Indefined that we created because it's all about defining yourself from within. Mm -hmm. And so we started off with shirts with words that say hate with a line through it, fear with a line through it, gender with Mm -hmm. a line through it, racism with a line through it. And people were able to um, also create their own shirts. And it was a way for us to say, you know, I'm not going to allow this language and I'm not going to allow these labels to define who I am. I define myself from within. That's what the initiative is about. And we are newly partnering with University of Delaware and the program they have there to really do some work in our initiative side, mm-hmm. as opposed to just the, the label side. And uh, the initiative side really looks forward to We've done some work before, but we really look forward to doing more work in the arts education sector for underserved youth. Awesome. Um, We did a lot of work um, then, but we're growing and we're expanding. And thanks to University of Delaware and some some great students there that we're partnering with this fall semester, we'll get a chance to see what the next chapter of Indefined looks like. That's awesome. Congrats on that. And I I appreciate the idea that People can create their own. It's like, we will not be defined. What, what do I need to cross a line through and be like, no, that's not me. That's not me. Listen, man, I, we, we are already, especially as performers, particularly as, as men of color, always fighting these ideas of, of being typecast and stereotyped. Yes. There's no more freeing experience than defining yourself from within. And that journey is a journey. It's, a, it's an individual journey. I know it's a journey for myself that I continue to kind of skate my way through or surf. It's been a beautiful thing to put that journey into something actual, mm. which is I think what artists try to do. We try to take our experiences and we try to take our life's journey. We try to take our emotions and our intellect and our spirit and we exemplify it through the work that we do. And so Indefined has been a reflection of that. And and so many of the other projects that I've been able to be a part of are, are an expression of that too. So I'm grateful to be an artist. Yeah. What did that say? <laughs>
<laughs> Come on, hallelujah, God. Hallelujah. All right, so real fast, we're going to do a little getting to know you game time moment. It's game time on the 180. The name of the game is... Getting to know BTC. That's Brian Terrell Clark. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. Hey, let's do it. What's your favorite item that you've purchased this year? My favorite item that I've purchased this year. Ooh, plane tickets. Amen. On period. <laughs> like, this has been... I'm so used to traveling, especially um, in the last, I would say, four years for, for some for really the last two years, almost three. I feel like I was on a plane almost every other day. Mm. And all of a sudden, you know, the first quarter of 2020 went by and it was like, <laughs> sit down. And I appreciated it. I appreciated the time to be home. I mean, I bought this house and I had not enjoyed it. Mm. I owned this house for almost two years and I had never been in it longer than two weeks. Wow. Wow. And so it was great to sit down. It was great to be still. It was great to start some work that I wanted to do. A lot of us, especially as creatives, mm -hmm. oftentimes have more ideas than we have time. Amen. We have more creative sparks than we have time to actually put our hands to. And so it's been great to be able to begin a lot of that. But I ain't gonna lie. In the middle of all of that, I said, I got to get out of here. Uh -huh. I got to get out of America. <laughs> and I got to get out of this house. And so Mexico was beautiful enough to open its borders to us when the rest of the world said, hey, hell no. <laughs> I, I got a chance to go to Puerto Vallarta. And let me tell you Oof. something. I loved it so much. I went back twice. Wow. I loved it so much. I might go back a third time. Hey. We love to hear it. We love to see it and hear it. My favorite purchase. You know, I love spending money on experiences. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that 2020 has also taught us, especially amongst all the, the shutdown of things, what's really important. I mean, sometimes it's great to spend money on clothes and it's great to spend money on jewelry or things like that. But where you going? What you what you wearing? Where you right. going? You're going to be in the house. That's <laughs> right. where you going. Get an experience. You know, it, it reinforced, I think, for me. Some of the things that I already valued, like relationships and family and friends, but it also reinforced being grateful and not taking any experience for granted, mm, good or bad. Yeah. Um, but that every experience is, is something to mine. You know, for me, the best thing I, I did was spend some money on going somewhere with people that I love to create adventures, man. I, I'm on a plane. I love that. Period. I love it. Message. Create experiences. Yes, Lord. Message. Hey. Who is your favorite Disney character and why? Who is my favorite? Ooh, mm. no one has ever asked me this. <laughs> Who is my favorite Disney character? Yeah. Now, see, this this might get tricky because what I want to say uh -huh. is shout out to honor to gratitude for uh -huh. much love to the memory of Chadwick Boseman. Yes. Because I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but technically Disney owns marvel right there you know there's the marvel universe at this point there's some relationship there yes and sure. so um my favorite character is black panther <laughs> <laughs> what kind of forever <laughs> but if we had to go another way and we had to go like let's say animated mm -hmm. who would i say this is tricky i love so many of the villains i love there's, there's some really good villains. you know i love maleficent uh -huh. go for a good old ariel too you know we we're about to um celebrate it's chloe right uh-huh yeah yeah chloe's gonna be ariel mm -hmm. so i'm gonna just go ahead and say um just because where i am in my spirit right now that my you know my my new favorite disney character is a little chocolate version of Ariel. Praise the Lord. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
Nice, nice. Okay. I can't wait for her to sing this role, okay? Sing it. She's going to sing. I'm, I'm very excited. She's going to sound great. Okay, I'm going to ask one more getting to know you question. As we experience the change of seasons, what season do you feel best describes you? What season best describes me? Uh-huh. Well, I was born in the spring. Okay. You know, I'm Aries. Uh-huh. And so we're the first of the Zodiac. And so, you know, there is this love for diving into adventure. There is a sense of newness that comes with spring. There's a, a sense of possibility and hope and fun and things springing forward. And so I would definitely say spring. It's also a transitional season. And I find myself um, really introspective these days. Mm. And I find myself shocked by myself in that there's a lot of new to still discover and there's a lot of new to still um, explore. And so, yeah, I would say springtime. You know what I'm saying? Springtime. Yes. Renewal. Yes. I love that. Renewal. Yeah. That's how we feel about renewal. Well, well, thank you for, uh, I'm so glad we got to know you a little bit more about you. And now we're going to go deeper. Let's go deeper. We go deep. Wait, we can't just be singing songs on here because I don't know who we got to give rights no, to. No, we don't need clearance for like not less than 10 seconds. Listen, listen, that's why I, I shut know, up. I understand. I love, <laughs> I'm saying that like I got an entertainment lawyer behind me telling me things. I don't. I don't. Okay. Shout out to Marcy Cleary. Shout out to Marcy Cleary. Just in this moment, she just became partner and she's an entertainment lawyer and a friend of mine. Shout out to Marcy Cleary. Shout out. Hey. You and I both grew up in Baltimore, Maryland. Did. And we both went to George Washington Carver Center for Arts and Technology. We sure did. Yes, Carver Center. Carver. Shout out to Be More. Be More, Baltimore. What is something about your upbringing in Baltimore that speaks to who you are as an artist and entrepreneur today? Wow. I think, you know, when I think about Baltimore, I often think about that poetic phrase that talks about a rose growing from the concrete. Mm. Because Baltimore is a city of survivors and thrivers. And so, you know, you got to have some tough skin to make it in that space. You have, you know, oftentimes when I when I meet people and I tell them I'm from Baltimore, they say congratulations on making it out. Hmm. And um, I think in the in the climate that we live in right now as black men, that's not really an understatement. I mean, murder is still very much so on the rise. And, um, you know, I have family members that live in parts of the city that you don't want to necessarily frequent Mm -hmm. after dark. You know what I'm saying? Keep your eyes open. So I think, you know, Baltimore has taught me how to survive. You know, basically that in any situation that I'm in, as long as I got God and I got me, I'll be fine. Um, I think the, the next phase of my journey had to do with transitioning from a mode of survival to a mode of thriving. And survival and abundance are two very, very different vibrations. They're two very, very different spaces to exist in. They're, they're two very different perspectives. They're, they're two different seats of expectation. They're mm-hmm. two different vantage points from which to view the world. And so, you know, Baltimore taught me that no matter what happens in this life, I'm going to be okay. But then I had to learn on my own later how to enjoy, how to be grateful, how to expect that life actually wants to offer me things that will make me happy that I can enjoy. So, I, you know, it's it's been an interesting thing. I just got back from Baltimore for a funeral. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's always a beautiful thing to go back and see your foundation. Yeah, I feel like that happens to me often before I step into a new chapter of my life. 
for whatever reason, I end up going back home. Hmm. And I think that home is always a great place to go back to and honor before you launch into a new chapter in your life. So for those of you out there who are contemplating, go ahead and take that visit home. Yeah, Go ahead and look at all the old ghosts and all the old memories hmm. and appreciate where you are now and then launch into your new chapter. You know what I'm saying? Oof. That was a word. <laughs> I need this sound for my phone. <laughs> Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah, God. That was a word on top of word on top of word. So thank you. Thank you for that. I'm speaking my truth. I don't know about nobody else. So I got to speak my own. A testimony will serve and, and be an inspiration to so many people. So I'm just so grateful that I have guests on here who are willing to share the testimony and be honest about, you know, the challenges, the good times and the bad times, all that good stuff. All that good stuff. You played George Washington in Hamilton, but if you had to play a different role in Hamilton, which role would you play and why? I feel like it's uh, Hamilton is such a beautifully crafted show mm-hmm. that my answer changes often. Yes. When I first saw the show, um, my really good friend, Leslie Odom Jr., tore the role of Burr apart. It was so amazing. Mm. It was unreal to watch. And I actually told my agents at the time, don't send me in for it because I just thought I would get sent in for that role. And I was like, I would be trying to be mm-hmm. a, a copy of what Leslie did because I just loved it so much. And, you know, you can't do what somebody else did. You got to do you. And so, right. so. Um, that role was automatically off the table for me <laughs> because I was like, I don't want to experience it any other way. Um, yeah. But actually, after seeing, you know, um, Daniel Breaker play it and Brandon Victor mm. Dixon, um, I realized, you know, there, there's a take. Even Donald Weber. I love Donald Weber Jr.'s Burr. Yeah, Donald. There's a take on Burr that I could play now, I think, that would be really fun. Other roles that I would play, of course, is Lafayette. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I'm getting older now and there's some and there's something in my spirit that wants to get paid a lot more to work less. <laughs> so I say Lafayette with lots of reservation because that's work. I'm not gonna lie, that's a lot of work. That role is a lot of work leaping off the tables. You know, shout out to to James Monroe Aguhart, who was, you know, my um Lafayette Jefferson and mm-hmm. David, of course, who originated the role, I have the honor of being in Snowpiercer with him um, this second season. Yes. Yeah, I spent some time with David, and he's killing it on Snowpiercer. Got a chance to uh, to jump in the ring with that brother um, on his TV show. But but shout out to them, because that is a really, really hard track. It's, it's the fastest rapping you will ever see on Broadway. Oh. It is extremely physical. Um, but the reason why I choose the role, or would choose the role, is because... There's so much freedom of expression in mm. it. You can really find whatever version of that it is for you. I mean, you get to start the, the show off the first act with a French accent and you get to wear a long purplish pink, uh-huh. you know, flamingo flashy looking <laughs> robe for the second act and, and live your, yes. your flamboyant life. And so, you know, there's there's room in that role for everybody, I think, um, to have a lot of mm-hmm. fun. And that's what I think ultimately we all want to do, whatever we're doing, is, is to really unpack some roles and have some fun. Yes, fun fun with the roles, whether it's flamboyant or not. Listen. But yeah, just have fun and uh, explore. Yeah. yeah. That's what it's about, I think. I mean, or else, or else why do it? Exactly. Exactly. I, I hope people didn't get into the arts an artistic career just to make money because it's got to be fun. Listen. Because the money ain't always there, but the fun ought to be, ideally. It, it, 
the fun ought to be there. And, you know, I've learned in my life that anything that we're asking for, whatever that is, whether that's more money, a relationship, a job, we're really just asking for it because we believe it'll make Mm. us happy. Whatever that is, you believe, honestly, you will be happier in the having of whatever you're requesting. So the truth of the matter is I've learned to be happy now. Mm. So I'm not going to wait for the money to be happy. I'm not going to wait for a particular relationship to be happy. I'm going to choose to be happy now, and that will attract the things that will continue to make me happy. But try to make your your happiness conditional upon yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, you be responsible for your happiness. And then you'll you'll have a life that reflects that. And that's what I've been living for a minute now, and it's yes. fun as hell. i got to tell you. Message! That's another word. That's a word. A word. Okay. So you're a multi-hyphenate. You're an actor, singer, dancer, public speaker, entrepreneur. Given the amount that you may be juggling at any moment, how do you manage uh, perfectionism and expectations of who you need to be or who you aspire to be? Such a great question. Um, and, and, And what a perfect platform to talk about it on. Um, Because that really was the turning point for me. Mm. I was in a place in my life where I wanted to be the perfect student and the perfect son. I mean, I'm the child of of a minister. Mm. And so my mother was a Sunday school teacher who became a minister and a school teacher who became a principal. And so the idea of living up to what it means to be like Christ, what it means to mm. live up to the expectations of a, of, a, of a mother who runs a school was very difficult. I wanted to be perfect. Yes. My, if you ask me then what my biggest fear was, my biggest fear was failure. Yeah. And so at that time in my life, I was a doer. Everything was about work. I used to love when I would hear Will Smith say things like, you might be more talented than me, but you're not going to outrun me on a treadmill. You're not going to outwork me. I used to love hearing phrases like that. And I have to be honest. You almost sounded like him. Like for him, I said, whoa, whoa. You've been working on your <laughs> Will Smith impression? but it's- That's funny. Uh, no, but no. I, you know, for me, I realized that that didn't serve me. It served me up until a certain point. Mm. And what I realized is that I was doing me, but I wasn't being me. Yeah. Hmm. I was doing, but I wasn't being. And I realized um, very kind of, to me, it felt like later, but when I look at it in, in, in retrospect, it was kind of early. I realized somewhere around grad school that the journey of authenticity and the journey of just being yourself mm-hmm. is actually one that is so much more rewarding than being perfect. Yeah. Because whose idea of perfect are you living up to? That that becomes the first thing. And then when you realize that the bar of perfection keeps moving, yeah, you realize that you're, you know, you're really only tr- trying to live up to what's true for yourself. I keep wanting to sing when I'm on this this podcast with you, but you know, go ahead, sing. Gaga has this new song out. You know, my biggest enemy is me, Papa and it's like it's so true. Your biggest enemy is really yourself, yes. and so that idea of perfection, I threw that shit out the window. Can hey. we cuss? I'm message. I'm throwing it out the window. At at the end of the day. What I realize is there is no other you on the planet. So the biggest gift that you have to offer first to yourself and then to other people is a level of authenticity. Yeah. You got to be yourself. And I wish that I could tell as many young artists as I could this early, because what you're going to see reflected in the industry is that people are going to be rewarded for being themselves over being some version of perfect. Yeah. Um, there there are so many singers that might be out there listening. And guess what? You're going to hear singers that are flat, singers that are off, singers that are auto-tuned, 
to, within an inch of their life succeed better, you know, more than every singer who, who's got perfect pitch and can riff. And the reason why is because people are connected to truth. People are connected to authenticity. And so at the end of the day, it's not just your ability. It's about like what you're saying. And do I connect to it or not? You know, I really love Lizzo. Mm -hmm. I think about Lizzo. And when I think about her, I don't even just think about her as a singer. I think about her as a, as who she is as a person. Same thing with Cardi B. The reason why we love these women is partially because of their talent. Sure. But it's really because they have the audacity. They have the bravery. They have the freedom to be their unapologetic, 100% through and through mm. selves. And there's something attractive as hell about that. And, and it attracts people in the masses. And so, yes, it's important to be disciplined. Yes, it's important to be the best at your skill. But even more importantly, the most important thing is to be yourself because that is how you will work. That is how you will expand as an artist. And that is how you will attract people to you because people respond to authenticity. Mm, mm. Yes, that's a word. That's a word. That's a word. But what brought you to that moment, especially as an artist? Because I know for myself in acting school, it was like type and all that great stuff. So what brought you to the moment where you said, I need to be my most authentic self and not some idea of what's whatever's perfect? Yeah. You know, shout out to amazing teachers and mm. professors. They are some of the most influential angels you'll ever be gifted with. And when I was at Yale School of Drama, you know, the acting Yoda himself, Ron Van Lu, mm. had just transferred from NYU to Yale uh, to take over the program at the time. And I wasn't going to get him until my third year. And when he transferred, I was in my second year. So I went into his office and I said, I know I don't get you till next year. I said, but you sat in on some of my classes. You've seen me in a production. I want to know what you think. And he said, well, Brian, I think you're good. Well, I think I think you're really good. I said, thanks. He said, well, you know, I when I was at NYU, I, I you know, I accepted you into that program, too, because I think you're good. I said, thanks, Ron. So what do you really think? <laughs> right, right. If you said it that easily. And he was like, no, no, I really think you're good. I said, Ron. He said, well, what I'll say is this. You are good. But when I'm around you, you're so much more interesting than the work I see. And I wonder why that is. And it was in that moment that a light bulb went off and no pun intended. But internally, I literally did a 180 and everything from that moment changed. That was the 180 for you. So how did you proceed? So this professor, he wasn't a professor, right? Because you didn't technically have him as a teacher at that point? I didn't have Ron as a teacher yet. I had to wait until the next year. And it's so interesting because that was just the beginning of a journey of self-discovery. Mm. I think, you, you know, an artist has to paint with the tools that they're given. So it's our trauma, it's our bodies, it's our voice as an, in, you know, this instrument, it's, it's our natural responses to the world around us. It's the ability to open our ears and really listen and take things in and then allow those things to wash through us. It's, it's all those things as an actor. And so I think I began a journey of being honest with myself about me. Mm. I think I began a journey of falling on my face <laughs> and really facing 
facing what my biggest fear was, which was failure. You know, when I graduated from uh, Yale School of Drama, I got out to L.A. and just thought I was going to be famous overnight. Right. Like most people who graduate, you know, as soon as they get out of school. I'm, I'm good. Right. I'm good. And I got this and I'm famous. I'm going to be famous. And I realized really early that that was not in the cards for me right away. And thank mm. God for that. Um, I'm really actually really appreciative of that because I was able to fail and grow and become better in the dark. Mm. I was able to develop on the backside of the mountain. And I think a lot of people yearn for the spotlight and yearn to be seen and yearn to be heard. And they don't value the quiet place. Yeah. They don't value the shadow. And you have to learn. It's a gift. It, you know, I don't understand what it must feel like to be a child star. Right, right. right. I have no idea what it must feel like to do something you love, become famous, and then have the entire world have an opinion about what you do. Ooh, yeah. And so I'm grateful that I got a chance to not just develop as an artist in the shadows, but to also develop as a person. So that by the time I had to put my gift before people I respected um, and, and share the stage or share um, a studio space or be in front of a camera with someone that I honored behind it, um, I was so grateful that by that time I had a sense of self. And so I wasn't necessarily looking to them for validation and I wasn't looking to them for approval and I wasn't looking to them for applause. I was looking to them for collaboration mm. and I was looking to them without my ego involved. And I was looking, uh, my focus was on the project. My focus was on the work and how can I bring myself to it with your guidance with with your connection to make this thing as effective for the audience watching it. And so, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for all of those years of obscurity. I'm grateful for all those years on projects that nobody ever heard of. Uh -huh. I'm so grateful for every web series that failed. I'm so grateful for every script that was never seen. Mm. I'm so grateful for for audition after audition after audition after audition, about five more, after audition, 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 <laughs> and hearing no. Right. Let the people know it ain't overnight. It's never overnight. No. And, and hearing no so much that I could finally desensitize myself to the no and just open myself up for the right yeah. yes. And so I'm really grateful for all those opportunities because this journey of life is never ending until it's over. Right. And even then, I don't believe it's over. And so as an artist, your art will expand and evolve and grow as your life does. And part of that journey began for me around that time that I got out of school because a lot of it was trial and error, trial and error. And to be honest, it's still trial and error. Mm. But I value the error and I value the fall and I value the disappointment now because it produces a springboard of gratitude for all the success and all of the the other things that come along with 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 doing what you love and you know being celebrated for it. And so, you know, I, I it's funny too because also as you grow or as I, I've been growing, um, things that I used to value, it's not that I don't value them anymore, but my perception of them has changed. Mm -hmm. When I think about fame before, it was about the respect of my peers and it was about, you know, reaching the masses with a positive message and all of those things are still there. But once you're inside of it and you have a bunch of famous friends and family members, it's very easy to see that fame can also be yeah. a prison. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of weight put on you when you're famous. You know, I think about, you know, artists like Beyonce 
Speaking of which, I actually, not a lot of people know this, but I actually did a musical with Beyonce. You did a musical with Beyonce? Sure did. The hip hopper, Carmen the hip hopper? It was in Baltimore and it what? was called Preacher's Kids. What? It was at the it was at um the Baltimore Arena. What? It was called Preacher's Kids and it was with the late John Witherspoon. Yes, shout, shout out to him. Tanya Blount. Yes. Um Egypt. Shout Egypt. out to Egypt. Myself and Destiny Child were were a part of the production. <gasps> yeah, insane. And it was during the time when the split had just happened. Really? Writing on the wall had just come out. And I went on stage and was looking for two people that were not there. <laughs> Latavia and Latoya were gone. Okay. We're not there. We're gone. And I was a fan fan, right? I've always been a fan fan. Yeah. I just remember standing on the side of the stage and I was meeting, you know, Michelle and Farah, whose real name I believe is Destiny. Oh, wow. At least that's what she told me. We can fact check that somebody, but she told me her name was Destiny. And I said, oh, okay. Well, you know, Matthew Knowles wasn't having that. But yeah. No, 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 no. So um, I just remember being on the side of stage and, and we were about to go on. After watching their rehearsal, first of all, I lost my mind because they were singing Jumping and Beyonce had this ponytail. It was like braids up into uh-huh. a ponytail. And she started spinning around like a helicopter singing Jumping. And I literally said to myself, she's going to be the biggest star in this world has ever seen. Oh, wow. Yes. And then before we went on that night, she whispered in my ear. It was my right ear. I could still hear her voice. <laughs> she said, I like those jeans. <laughs> Beyonce like my jeans. Beyonce like my jeans. That's amazing. But what I will say is the reason why yeah. I brought her up is because can you get any more famous, right? Right. But now I think about COVID and I think about the fact that she can't tour right now the way that she mm-hmm. she did before. And and although I don't believe that her and her family is wanting for money, I do think about what it must feel like to have a staff that big, right. to have businesses that have your name on it and to be responsible to all of those people. You're just trying to do what you love, but now you are somebody's livelihood. Right. I mean, you are you you being who you are and doing what you love. There are people now dependent on their survival. Yeah. On whether you decide to do the concert or not. Oof. Whether you decide if Beyonce decided today, I don't want to do any of this anymore. I want to be a mother and I'm a chill out. Right. There will be a lot of disappointed people, not just the fans employees right who will not be getting that paycheck exactly so i say i say that to say or like or like my mentor billy porter right so like Mm. it's it's interesting to be friends with him for so long and now to see him kind of explode yeah onto the scene in this way because he's he doesn't realize that he's not just a voice for the lgbtqai i just say the alphabet (laughs) city he you know he's he's not just a voice for the alphabet city he's a voice for civil rights right now. Mm-hmm. I said, as much as you are seen as a queer man, you are a queer black man. So the words that come out of your mouth are extremely important at this time. It, you, you're still allowed to be human. You're still allowed to make mistakes. But there is a lot of weight now that your voice carries. And, I, and you, it's an interesting thing because I used to think that fame was something that I have now been experiencing, you know, proxy through my friends, you know, adjacent to my friends. It is not what you think mm-hmm. it is. In a lot of ways, it can be a gift, but it can also be a prison. Um, I think about awards and I think about how, like, you know, I would love an EGOT. And we're going to go ahead and put that out there. Yes. The EGOT is happening. BTC with an EGOT. I want an EGOT. I want an EGOT. But at the same time, what it means is something so different. I mean, when I think about it, I think about these awards, these golden statues that white men created to celebrate themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that when I first thought about what that meant 
to receive something like that, I think it's going to mean something very different by the time it actually happens. And so I say all that to say that the journey will change your perspective. The journey will change your perspective on the things that you think you want. Yes. And what do you feel like from that moment of really the self-exploration and deciding I need to be my most authentic self as, as an individual and, and as an artist, did you feel like there was a moment when you got that big break that affirmed like, this is this is what I'm talking about. This is why I've been working on myself. This is how I bring my most authentic self and what the rewards that come with it. Was there a moment for that? like that for you there's big moments about uh, that come <laughs> that come to mind for that um but they're not what people think so one of the things that i realized about myself is that to a degree i'm a powerful manifester mm. and what i mean by that is that all of us as creators and i don't mean just artists but i mean as people we are creators like literally everything around us was somebody's thought first yes so thoughts become things that's literally how the world works. The devices that we're using right now to communicate to each other, um, the way that, that we can record and play this mm -hmm. later, all of this was in somebody's mind first. So once I realized, okay, wow, thoughts really become things. There's this great scripture in the Bible that says, as a man thinketh, so is he. It's like once I realized that that was mm. true for me, it began, it began time to put it into practice. And uh, one of my best friends, his name is Roderick Covington. Shout out to Roderick. Hey, Roderick. Yes, shout out to Roderick and Core Rhythm Fitness. I'll be in class soon. An amazing fitness guru and yes. also an amazing performer and, and one of the most amazing people you could ever meet on the planet. You know, we, he had this thing called a declarations party in 2016. Mm. And at the top of the year, what we do is we get together. It's a really small group of people. And we write down what we are declaring for the year. And it can be anything. I wrote down, that was the first time I'd ever done it. And I had wrote down crazy things like ride a jet ski, visit South Africa. Uh-huh. I want to book a commercial that pays a lot of money. And Amen. two, three days later, I booked a Humera commercial that shot in South Africa. What? What I, I don't even have enough buttons to press. I, I wanna I wanna press all of what? Three days later? Or yeah, a couple of days later. Now, what's crazy is I still have it in my phone. And I think what I actually wrote down was I want to book a commercial that pays me a lot of money. I've seen it. So what's crazy is if you ever if you've ever seen the commercial, it's a pretty special, special thing to me because even though it's just a commercial and I've done things that are seemingly bigger, that was the first time that manifestation and that word and declaring and all of those kinds of words actually really meant something to me. I found myself in South Africa shooting this and I was shooting in a school. So I went to the production and I was like, we could have done this in Brooklyn. We inside of a school, why are we here? And they were like, yeah, well, it's cheap to shoot in South Africa and the production team wanted to do something a little different. And I didn't know that we were shooting two commercial spots. I was in the first one. I, I believe I was the first African-American male to be a lead in a Humera commercial. And just for those who, actors out there, let me tell you something. Do these medical commercials because them contracts are like none other. Ooh, that's good to know. Because that thing played for a year or two. And I promise you, I probably made close to $200,000 off of My two days of work. Shondo. I just auditioned for one of them. This might be, we might be manifesting something right now because... I auditioned for one earlier today. Yeah, it's crazy. I shot the commercial in three days and um, they said, okay, you're done. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm done. I booked out 10 days. And they said, well, it's two spots. So you can go back to America. And I was like, go back. No, 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 no. I'm trying to stay here. And they said, well, let's talk to production. They let me keep my amazing, beautiful hotel room at the Westin Ugh. overlooking the water. They gave me an envelope full of cash and they said, this is your per diem. 
And so for the next seven days, I just lived my black ass life yes. in South Africa. And I had the time of my life. And it was kind of amazing because it was the first time I had written something down. And so quickly yeah. it showed up. And so that was, yeah, that was definitely one of the moments. Wow. And uh, South Africa is my favorite place in the world. I've, I've been there and I lived there for seven months. What? Yeah. Were you in Cape Town or Joburg or I assume Cape Town? I was in Cape Town and I've often said that I feel like there's a part of heaven that must look like Cape Town. Yes, it is astounding. So beautiful. And and I'm sure you got to experience the people, the culture. It's just uh, uh, South Africa is my favorite place in the world. Wow. I can't even... Well, <laughs> you are a manifesto. We, we all have our gifts. You know what I mean? And so you, you mentioned that. And I think it's important to... Uh, be able to acknowledge spiritual gifts, different gifts that you have, and lean into them. Sure. Yeah. And I think that we all have gifts. Yeah. That's the thing. I think the problem oftentimes that I run into with like social media and, and even just being a part of this industry is that we get in trouble because we do a lot of comparison, mm -hmm. whether we want to do it or not. And I heard someone say a long time ago that comparison is violence to yourself. Mm. And so a lot of times we'll be envying someone else's life journey and someone else's giftings and someone else's path, not really knowing the ins and outs and the, some of the things that come along with it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, and, and, and in doing so, we don't value our own journey. And so I say the biggest gift that you can you can give yourself is to learn how to love yourself. And to learn how to love yourself where you are, mm. that's a hard thing, especially if where you are is not where you want to be. Right. It's a tricky kind of discipline to learn how to be grateful every morning and grateful every day for who you are and where you are, no, while also staying open with the hope and the faith and the excitement and the eagerness to step into the spaces that you're desiring. Yes. And it's a, it's a tricky balance. But I feel like in the middle of there somewhere is what I would call alignment. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, alignment with self, alignment with the journey. And what, as we talk about manifesting and as we start to close out, what do you hope to manifest next? What's something that you hope to manifest coming up? Wow, um, there's a lot, actually. There's a lot. You know, I hope to to manifest some things in my personal life that I'm not going to say right now. That's, that's cool. Let it, let it be yours. But, you know, at some point, it's going to be time. You know, a brother getting a little older, it's going to be time to settle down and expand a little uh -huh. bit. You know what I'm saying? Maybe have some little, little mini-me's running around in life. <laughs> I think um, expansion is just a natural part of life. But one of the things that I am really looking forward to is um, I've been working with um, some amazing writers and some amazing production companies and I've been creating and um, I've been doing that again on the backside of the mountain mm -hmm. for um, about a year and a half now. And I've got some really exciting projects, both scripted and hey. unscripted, that have been um you know, boiling and being created and developed. And I can't wait, wait to birth those, those projects when, when they're ready. So mm. the next phase is, you know, creating opportunities for amazing performers like yourself to, to step into, to not just be kind of the higher gun and, and show up and do the thing, but to also be the mind and the voice and the spirit behind the stories that are being crafted. And that's that's kind of the next chapter for me. Yes. A produ production company, producer on your Tyler yeah. Perry own network, Oprah Winfrey. Let's go. Yes, 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 yes. We manifesting it with a little... Uh... Hallelujah! Yes. So we're going to wrap up with a quote. 
just give me any reaction and thought that you have to this quote that I think is absolutely relevant to what we've discussed uh, today. Your need for acceptance can make you invisible in this world. Don't let anything stand in the way of the light that shines through this form. Risk being seen in all of your glory. And that's a quote from Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey is a genius. You know, I really, mm-hmm. I heard Billy also say, Billy Porter just said on his IG story when he's getting ready for the Emmys that, you know, he really finally at almost, you know, 51 got to the place where he just really doesn't care mm. what other people think about him. And I just think it's so powerful. So I would just add to what Jim Carrey is saying and what Billy Porter is saying, not only to not care so much about needing outside validation, but to really, really do the work so that you like you. Mm. Make sure that you like you. And if you like you, trust and believe other people will too. Oh, that's that's a word. There's so many words. You drop gems. You drop, I mean... I hope if people are catching it. I hope so many people are catching them because they're just beautiful, necessary, inspiring, empowering uh, words and testimony. It's just thank you. Thank you. So as we close out, is there anything that you want to tell us that's coming up? Please definitely keep your eyes open for any virtual speaking engagements. Um, I will be at Pace University this fall. We will be doing some talks around um, civil unrest and racism. Um, and race politic. Um, that's another journey that I manifested. I literally wrote down one day, it'd be cool to be like baby Oprah. Yes. And before I knew it, I had a whole nother career as a speaker. And so yeah. that will be happening this fall. Also coming up on Netflix, we talked about it, Inventing Anna, but also on HBO Max and TNT, the second season of Snowpiercer with Davi Diggs mm-hmm. from Hamilton and also myself so Snowpiercer season two is going to be amazing. It's next level. I get to play a very interesting character. I'll just oh, I'm excited because, you know, I wasn't expecting your villainry in uh, When They See Us. So I'm, I'm excited for to see the different sides oh, of Mr. Brian Terrell Clark. It's funny. It's funny that you say that because I was I had that we were watching the season finale of Queen Sugar. And I walked up to Ava and I said, why do you keep casting me as villains? <laughs> and she said... Well, no, no, no. This character that you played in Queen Sugar wasn't a villain. I said, yes, he was. He left. I mean, to right, a degree. Right. He, just... he was a villain to the fans. He left right. Darla. He just left out there. I said, um, you got to let me play a good guy. And then she uh, she cast me and cherished the day as a therapist. I said, you know, why you keep casting me as these bad guys? She said, I think it's your eyebrows. <laughs> I do have very thin eyebrows. I don't know. Right. But um, she cast me as a as a therapist and cherished the day. I will like to put out there, uh, Miss Ava DuVernay, that um, even though you cast me as a good guy and cherished the day, that couple still broke up after my session. So technically, still I still feel like of the therapist, I was a bad guy. Dang. So I'm just saying. You know, I don't, I don't mind playing, playing the bad guy. Somebody got to tell their story to. Right, right. And ultimately, it's serving a, a story that is serving a lot of people in good ways, even if you got to be the bad. I'm excited. When I was in high school, when we went to Carver, uh-huh. there was a teacher, I ain't going to name no names, who told me that, that I could never play a bad guy because no one would believe wow. me, is what she said. And now I get paid to play villains all the time. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, thank fun. you so so much. <laughs> I can't. I'm just. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna pl- give you a round of applause. It's been so wonderful. 
chatting with you, Brian. For all the folks out there, be sure to follow Brian at the Real BTC on Instagram and Twitter. As he mentioned, look out for him on your screens in Inventing Anna and in Snowpiercer Season 2. Thank you so, so much. It's been so great having you on the 180 and hearing uh, your various, I feel like you had, you, you threw a few 180s in there, but um, it was so inspiring to hear. And thank you. We're in a time when we need some inspiration. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, friend. All right, everybody. Thank you all so much for joining us. The 180 is produced by David Treatman with audio production and editing by Mike Luno. Original music composed by Jarrett Landon and sung by yours truly. If you like what you heard, please make sure to tell your friends, spread the word, spread the love, spread the inspiration. Follow us on all social media at The180Pod and visit our website, www.the180pod.com. And that's 180, the numbers. Don't you dare spell it all out. That's too much. Until next time, I'm your host, Eric Lockley. Take care and be blessed. Know that you'll have a blessing if you just keep on pressing. Don't stop, keep going, you can turn it around. The 180, yes, it's a big change. The 180, your life won't be the same. The 180, you can do it. Say yes to your beautiful future. The 180, yeah.